look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle Matters. It's More Than Money. I'm Faisal Carmelli and my co-host here, Filling in for Dave Pop, which is Andrew Masson. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's making it a month on a time. Every month or so, I show up again, Faisal. So thanks for having me. No, I'm I'm glad because I actually have a real good co-host this time. So it's a <laughs> it's going to be a good show because uh, Andrew, we've got we've got a great conversation with a, a well-known person on this radio station who's now going into politics. Angela Cocott will be joining us as she is starting with the Alberta party. We want to start bringing in more and more of the political piece coming in over the next 12 months or so. We're going to be having election conversation. Yeah. And I think it's important for not only people to hear what all the parties have to say, but I think in our show, when you're transitioning to or living in retirement, your view on life is a little bit different. It it is. Your view on the economy, the view on tax, the view on what's important to you. Health health. These are all mm-hmm. factors that people don't tend to realize and really need to go after. And we got to find out from each individual party what they want. Yeah. So we, our, our job over the next 12 months is going to be bringing in people who can give their party view, what they believe, what they think. And we thought bring Angela Colcott in here because we've had long term conversations with her about what we do. Now we get to talk to her about what, what she's going to be doing. So that's going to be great. We also are, We also had an article that came out not too long ago, uh, this uh, earlier this week, actually, Andrew, about the risks of financial planning. And I think in the investment world, financial planning is not given the, the um, emphasis that it needs to. We hear a lot that people say, yeah, we do financial planning. Yeah, we do, that we do retirement planning. And they have somebody who just crunches some numbers and they yeah. put it in front of and, a client. And you and I have had this conversation many times. Too many times. <laughs> Too many times, yeah. Uh, and, and really the big concern is it's not just doing a financial plan. It's not about just making that and saying, okay, this is a document. A, it's static. It's, it's a snapshot in time. It has to be looked at more regularly. Um, and unfortunately, I don't tend to see that. The second thing, a lot of people, they go to their local financial institution or whoever they're dealing with, um, and they get a calculator or some type of thing saying, yeah. oh, yeah, you're good. But what does that really mean? Correct. And what were the assumptions around it? Correct. And how is that going to change moving forward, etc.? Sometimes I feel that the financial plan is just a check mark you have to put on in a box saying you've done it for the client. Like I feel that our industry sometimes just mm-hmm. makes that as a tool to say, yeah, I've done it. Or that's the tool that they use to get business. I will do a plan for you to show you how great your future will be. Now come invest with me. And I think what we need to understand is that it's more than just a check mark in a box. So I'm very yeah. excited to have, you know, we're going to have our, our expert coming in and she's the director of research for financial security at the Ryerson University. It's going to be it's going to be great to have her on the show. So, we had an interesting week in the markets, very volatile. We had a very interesting protest here in Calgary. Yeah, yesterday. <laughs> we can we can we can Thursday. look Thursday. Yeah, we we can look out our window from our our office and we can see them all lined up and the police all you know blocking off the uh, the streets and so forth. Very yeah. very interesting, and that kind of feeling is not only in the markets but it's also here in town mm-hmm. with what's going on in regards to oil and this postal strike oh. and so on and so forth. It's here in Alberta. Yeah. It's it's not just a Calgary thing. It's an Alberta thing. Um, we're feeling it. It's been a struggle for the last several years. Um, and there's 
And I guess the best way to call it, it's fear. Yeah. And I think one of the questions that came to me was, I'm hearing more and more about different ways to receive income. And yes, there's going to be volatility, but, and, and let me throw this one at you. Uh, one, one, uh, one listener of our show called me up and said, Hey, Faisal, I was, I was listening to some other pieces out there. I was watching and reading some stuff and I like dividends. So mm -hmm. okay, well, who doesn't like getting paid from a company? Everybody likes that. And, but I think if I just bought, you know, 10 or 20 different companies that had good dividends, um, that I'm going to be okay in my retirement. Okay. And that's exactly, so I wish you guys could all see Andrew's look on his face because that's the same look I had when I heard it. And, well, was, and well, my inside know, voice. inflection voice uh, there alone by itself. My inside voice said, oh my God, because I think what we're missing out on is volatility is one, but structure is very important. And here's, here's my thought process. And you, you've, yeah. you've heard some of this stuff. You've read some of the, the um, information out there about doing just a dividend straight portfolio. Um, the, the concern that I have is, yes, if you pick good companies and you pick dividend payers and dividend growers that are known for doing what they do, you can continually receive income. That's true. That's it is. true. It is. Here, here, here's my problem. My problem with this is, um, what if you need more than the dividend is paying out? Now, we have been lucky enough to retire hundreds of times with our clients. Yes. And we know for a fact that the, the amount that they wanted in the first year is generally not the same amount they're going to have in the next year. It's generally not the same amount they're going to have in the third year. And it fluctuates. And things come up. That's right. Like, life comes. Well, and yeah. when life comes up, it creates a new problem entirely by itself. Because if you've designed a portfolio to pay you a dividend, and let's say that dividend's 3% or 3.5%, yeah. um, and life came up and I have to withdraw monies out because I have to subtract from that, well, now I'm not getting that 3.5% that I was getting before. Something's changed. Yeah. So once again, we've started with a static position or you know, where it's just, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, but something else happened yeah. which forced yeah. something else upon which me. Which says, says to the investor, don't worry about the volatility the rent check, or in this case, yes. dividends, is on its way. The difference in that mentality is uh, under the assumption that there's no, no changes in your life, and the assumption is that it will recover in, an, in, an adul in a proper time. And mm -hmm. I, I caution people on that structure. This is why we have the income bucket and the growth bucket. And, and that whole concept of, of just living off the cash flow of an investment, in theory, sounds good. In reality... When a person needs more money, and let's make easy mm -hmm. example, a 4% dividend on a million dollar portfolio will give you $40,000 a year. Okay. So that person wants to live on $40,000 a year. What if they need 50 for whatever reason? We just yeah. had a client um, this week that said, I need money for a car. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not part of their dividends. And... And have you, have you discussed or thought about anything else in that process? Because if you take a dividend at 40000 and you add in your dividend gross up, yep. tax-wise. Tax-wise, yes. Now let's say it's $60,000 in income. Oh, I've got CPP and old age security. Oh, and I've got something else coming in too. Now all of a sudden- You're creeping up. I've crept up and now I'm getting clawed back. I'm actually getting another tax. It's called a clawback. Old age security. From your old age security. Yeah. So yeah. nobody's considered the, 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 the potential of loss of- free income yep which i love um but yep it is a problem yep one other thing was um 
the communication strategy that people are going through with their advisors right now? We're hearing more and more people are talking about, I'm not hearing from my advisor, or yep. I'm not hearing about what's going on. Um, one of the key things that we do is we, we send out emails to our clients every single month about what's happening in the portfolio. We do quarterly conference calls. Uh, we do face-to-face -face meetings. We do a retirement conference. We educate, inform. We have innovative ways so that they can have the, the probability of success in their side. And I, I, I would suggest to every single listener on this show that if you are concerned, worried, or anything in regards to about what's going on in the markets and your portfolio, you also need to reach out to your advisor. Yes, your advisor needs to have a communication strategy, but you cannot wait until things are too late before you express your concern. Absolutely. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer, yep. watch out. you got to keep your eye on those dividend payers if that's the direction you're going to go down. Yep. I'm not suggesting a strategy one way or another, but you know, God forbid, and we've seen this happen time and time again, especially in the oil patch, where a dividend has gone up from 3 to 4 to 7 to 9%. Well, there's a high possibility when you get to the 9s and the 10s, the market is saying that company's probably not going to be able to pay that much longer, at which point you're going to have a new issue entirely, and you could actually, A, lose money, but more importantly, not get as much of a dividend moving forward. Ab absolutely. And so we're going to talk about this structure. We're going to talk about how to bulletproof your retirement on Tuesday, December 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. We're almost full on this one session. So please do register. Also, you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. All right. Now, coming back. After the break, we're going to be talking to Alberta Party's Angela Cocott about issues that are important to you as you transition to or live in retirement. I'm really excited to have her back on our show, this time in a different capacity. More importantly, I'm excited to hear about what this new party's viewpoint is going to be when we, when we, uh, we, we find out what their platform is all about. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And she's here, Andrew. She is. She's here. She's back. It's <laughs> outstanding. And we're the ones to get to have her first. I know. It's going to be great. <laughs> Angela Cocott's here, candidate for the Alberta Party for Calgary Mountain View. Uh, Angela, welcome to the show. Well, you know what? It was just Craig coming back here to the studio. And I've got a whole bunch of people I have to talk to after this, but I am not missing this opportunity to talk to you and Andrew. So this is great. Thank you very much for joining us. So again, we're going through over the next 12 months, we're going to be um, commenting and talking to many people who are in the uh, in the race, all, uh, as well as have comments and views about what's going to be happening from uh, a... a uh, provincial basis and federal basis and so forth. So I wanted to bring you on the show and get your view, your take. Um, we're getting more and more calls and concerns about the political landscape here. And, and so I wanted to come out and start off by saying, you know, we, we've heard about the Alberta party. And to be honest, my, my own mistake is I haven't done too much research yet. And that's why I thought I might as well just bring you on the show and you can educate me <laughs> along the way. So why don't we start off there, Angela? Tell us a bit more about the, the Alberta Party. And you know what? I love the fact, Faisal, you say that a lot of people are getting really discouraged with what's happening in our political scene in this province and federally, you bet. And and really, when I retired back in August, a lot of people said, oh, are you going to go into politics? And I said, forget it. It's just too divisive. It's just the right or the left. And I had been a member. I know some people are saying, I knew she was a member of the Alberta Party. But I, I had been a member of the Alberta Party for the last year and a half because I was getting 
getting fed up with this divisiveness. Yeah. And I said, you know, there's a party out there that a lot of people don't know about that is a centrist party where I think a lot of Albertans, their political views lie, and that would be fiscally responsible. I think most Albertans would say it makes sense that we can't spend beyond our means. But at the same time, the Alberta party is socially inclusive. And and I think sometimes when people look at the options that are out there right now, we either see the left that they have to definitely do a better job when it comes to fiscal responsibility, or they're looking at the right. And there's a lot of questions about exactly where do they lie when it comes to some social issues? So I said, you know what, as much as I said I wasn't going to go into politics, I said, if you don't like something, Ange, sadly, you got to get involved. And taking that step to get involved in politics, it's not easy. I can see why so many people say, forget it. I'd rather yeah. just sit back and complain about the politicians. But I thought, if nothing else, from now until Election Day, if I can get the word out on what the Alberta Party is, then my job is done. Fantastic. So let's let's start off with uh, the listeners on this show and the people who we service in our practice are people who are approaching to or living in retirement. And we do a seminar every single month. And Dave st- sets, stands up in front of the crowd and says, what's your biggest fear And I, uh, when, it, when you're going to retirement? And after they say, you're our biggest fear, Dave, the second thing that they say is health care. Healthcare is the biggest concern that they have. So what is, what's the position of the party and yours when it comes to healthcare? I love the fact you never miss a dig at Dave, by the way. <laughs> uh, you know what? And, and the door knocking that I've been doing in the last few weeks, that is top of mind for a lot of people because we know when it comes to our provincial budget, it is over 40% when it goes to healthcare. So we know we have this huge expense and people are concerned about, are we going to have uh, enough healthcare, proper healthcare when the time comes that I actually need it? And, and the Alberta party is first of all saying, we really have to take a look at the whole system when it comes to health. And we have to look at simple things even. I mean, sometimes people say, you're going to have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But when you look at the way the healthcare system is in Alberta, it's just not sustainable. So how do we start to re-examine simple things like we've got to give our frontline workers, our nurse practitioners, our EMS, we've got to give them more control over making decisions so that we don't have people waiting in hallways and EMS waiting there with them so that they can't get back out into the community. So we definitely think that has to be looked at. And, and we also have to look at just the fact that we've got some duplication of services. I I think a lot of people don't realize we've got Alberta Health and we've got Alberta Health Services. And even within those two groups, there's a a lot of duplication of services that we have to look at. So there are some things that people think, oh, we're never going to be able to fix this. But I think simple things at the beginning, we've got to start addressing. We've got to address a culture in the AHS that is fairly ingrained when it comes to any kind of change. But as a province and a government, you've got to have the, the guts to be able to say, we got to change this. And sometimes when you're dealing with management and unions, then you have different political parties and their ideology stopping them from making some significant changes. So we recognize that healthcare is a, a very important issue going forward. And we think a provincial government, a responsible provincial government has to have a long-term plan to make some changes to that. 
and a long-term plan, totally important, Angela. But, you know, when we're thinking about this, when we think about some of Calgarians and Albertans today, um, they've been struggling for a few years now. Oh, um, and, and, yes. and they've been, and, and we, we saw it just on Thursday alone, uh, you know, people protesting the street, pipelines, um, oil, um, issues that were, were faced um, e- economically speaking. Um, what is the Alberta Party's um, plan? on growing the Alberta economy. And yeah, you know, we could do a half hour show oh, on I'm what, sure we're, we could. what we're dealing with right now just with the pipelines and whether or not, uh, there, there probably isn't truly a quick fix. I think a month ago, if you were to ask me, what about the idea of a government imposed production cap? I would have said, no, I don't like the idea of governments getting involved in the free market. But I'm leaning more towards that and, and the Alberta mm-hmm. party is pushing that just to say in the short term, we've got to look at something when we look at this massive price differential. But in the bigger picture, and and when we're talking about the economy, and it's all about the economy, I completely agree. Here in Alberta, we still are so tied to the energy sector. So we do have to, yes, pipelines are the biggest thing. We, we can build more refineries, as our current government is suggesting. But so first of all, that's going to take a lot of money, a lot of time. You, you question when you look at what's happening with sturgeon and, and the cost over runs and it still isn't up and running. So you you look at a refinery, but then so you refine a product, you still have to get it to market. And that still means pipelines. So it comes down to pipelines, pipelines, transportation. So some of those quick fixes could be, let's say, a government-imposed production cut. Let's say um, buying more rail cars. But that's still, it's not like there's a storage facility with a whole bunch of rail cars just waiting to be purchased. And, and then there's even that question of, could you do we even have the rail capacity in Fort McMurray to be able to get more of the product on rail cars. But so those are some short-term things. But ultimately, we have to put way more pressure on the federal government. They have got to recognize that this is not an Alberta problem. This is a nationwide problem. Uh, and I, I believe the, the liberal government has to revisit Northern Gateway. I, I, I know that's going to kill the liberals and their thoughts of getting votes in BC. But Northern Gateway, I hear time and time again, is a, a a pretty good project if you consulted correctly and you uh, made sure that you had all communities involved. So Northern Gateway. But let's go back to Energy East. And Energy East would be a good product. We could get off uh, the East dependence on Saudi oil. So there's there's things that I think short term might not be palatable, but maybe it's okay in this short term, but we have to put way more pressure on the federal government to help with our overall energy issue, because ultimately that's going to be our bottom line when it comes to the economy. And and I'm going to throw one more in here, and I apologize for going on like a politician, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw one more in here because the, the Alberta party is saying there is no reason why we have not had a balanced budget in the time that the NDP government has been here. And and we know that finally Joe Cece this year has said, oh, this is now our plan. But if you look at Greg Clark and the work he has done on shadow budgets, he says this could have happened before. So we've got to start balancing our budget because we know what happens with growing deficits. What are we looking at this year? Is it about $8 billion? That ultimately lead to that incredible bottom line, and it's an ugly bottom line when we talk about debt. And and we've heard the numbers from $96 billion in, uh, in just a few years. So how, as a household... Do you wrap your head around that mounting debt and ultimately how are you going to pay for those things? Angela, thank you for joining us today.
I'll get another 10 minutes in a couple of months would be great. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get you back here and learn more about the platform. And hopefully I'll make it on again to talk about it. That would be perfect. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Faisal. That's Angela Colcott, candidate with the Alberta Party for Calgary Mountain View. Now, we do have our seminar talking about how to protect your retirement. With all this political stuff going on, with all the economic issues, we're going to be hosting that on Tuesday, December 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits and Beer. Give us a call, 966-8400, or go online to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, stay tuned after the break. We'll be talking about the risks of ignoring the risk in retirement. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And Andrew, um, a great article that came out this week uh, um, from a a contributor to our show, Jason Heath. He he was talking about um, why you need to understand risk and uncertainty when planning for retirement. And so that was a nice headline, caught my attention because of what we do uh, on a regular basis on our practice. And I thought, you know, if, if we can get some more understanding about what what it is to build a plan and all the risks that are involved in regards to not just having the plan, but how things change over time. We thought we would get some some real good information, and we have our our, our special guest on our show here, mm-hmm. uh, Bonnie Jean McDonald. She is the uh, director of research for financial security at the Ryerson University. She's also an actuary, so she's got some knowledge. She's the grand poobah of all this stuff, I think. Well, I don't know, grand poobah. But that's a pretty <laughs> that's a pretty uh, heavy comment for her. Um, well, I hope so. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, um, financial planning isn't an art. It's a science. Absolutely. And, and Or maybe it is an art if you look at it. But the problem with it is it's, it's kind of static. It's one point in time. And if you're not following on a regular basis, Faisal, if you're not looking at it, if you're not matching with clients, then you're going to have issues because it's not going to be perfect. It's not. So let's talk about all the details in regards to planning for your retirement. Bonnie Jean, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Faisal and Andrew. Okay, so... What is the way that financial planners conventionally build out a plan? I think we should start with what we do in our industry, Andrew, and then kind of go from there. So, Bonnie Jean, how do do planners basically uh, build out a plan? Right. So the the kind of the most conventional way is that the planner will make some assumptions, say you come to them at 65, you have some savings, and they'll say, well, we'll uh, treat the future like uh, you'll get a 4% return and you'll die at, for example, age 90. And this is in the sciences called what's called a deterministic projection. So you're kind of treating the future like it's set in stone. Um, and these types of projections are actually really useful. Analysts use them all the time because they're really easy to calculate. They can be done quickly. They're a way to communicate information effectively and quickly and get buy-in. But the challenge is when you're treating uh, uncertainty like it's fixed in stone, it can really run you into a bunch of problems. So just to give a really quick example, if somebody were to go to their planner at 65 and be told certain advice, making those assumptions, uh, there's a number of problems. Number one, if the person actually lives beyond age 90, then clearly they've run out of money. Uh, the problem number two is that people who go to financial planners generally have money. So if, if we are making plans so that people actually will run out of money when they're 90, then those people would potentially even fall on the GIS system. They'll depend on, you know, more heavily on the healthcare system and the public subsidies. So that's not good for society. But the third most important reason why this approach to financial planning is really dangerous is that basically a deterministic projection has a 0% chance of actually happening. So we know statistically this future is not even possible. It's, it's almost 0% because there's uncertainty with the future. So these are really all strong reasons why 
deterministic projections, treating the future like we know it. It's fine in terms of kind of understanding things a little better, but it's not a, a way to really set a financial plan. So what do you suggest to all financial planners and those who are crunching their own numbers to do? How do they um, avoid this type of problem? Right. So the the challenge is it's not only that the, the numbers can be misleading. Um, my biggest fear with these types of approaches is that it's also uh, people are missing out on strategies, financial strategies that can actually give them the income that they want, but also protect them from all the risks of retirement at the same time. So in this kind of approach, uh, you know, having secure income that gets a 6% return looks the same as having non-secure income that gets a 6% return. So basically to start thinking of strategies that also protect people from risk at the same time. So a really positive financial strategy that's um, getting, you know, more and more attention is it's the value of people who can afford it to delay their Canada pension plan. Yeah. Because to delay your Canada pension plan, you're protecting yourself uh, against ever, um, if you were to live longer than you expect, it protects you against inflation risk, it protects you from financial market risk. So delaying your Canada pension plan uh, is definitely a very, it's really the cheapest and most secure way to get better financial security in retirement. Now, the other approach is basically to revisit these numbers often. So, you know, if you're making these calculations, but then suddenly financial markets go up or go down, then everything changes all of a sudden, or you're now more healthy or you've lived longer. So making the same calculations with a financial planner or on your own, uh, you know, every six months, every year, then that will also help protect people against the fact that they're treating the future as if it's set in stone when, in fact, there is this uncertainty. With the way that markets are volatile, and because we're in a situation right now where we've seen markets drop, people are concerned about their future. One of the key comments, and Andrew, jump in on this one, um, is that what we're hearing is because of the drop in the last, uh, let's call it month, six weeks or so, am I still able to make sure I can can retire in the way that I want to? And so there needs to be some sort of assumptions, like you were saying, uh, Bonnie Jean, about this, um, that that the financial planner still has to put some assumptions into the into that into that software or that plan. So what do they do in that situation? If if markets have taken a tumble, how do they handle those types of issues? Right. So I think the the kind of the to me the good rule of thumb, the base thumb that I've I've read about in my research was that if people have income, enough secure income that's going to cover their basic needs. So the money coming from their employer pension plan, from the CPP, from OAS, and potentially GIS, if that secure money is enough to cover your basic needs and also potentially the cost of, of whatever kind of quality of care that you would want when you're older, then that's, you know, that's a good time to retire because you know at, at, even if there is financial risk or if inflation risk or whatever there may be, at least you have this baseline income uh, to sustain whatever standard of living that you want. Uh, but as you said, if ever all of your money uh, or a majority of your, your funds is going to be based on um, assets, so your investments, then those investments can clearly change. And if, if it's volatile, then that's a lot of risk. So for someone in that situation, definitely choosing to delay the Canada Pension Plan and using up some of their investments in the earlier part of their retirement is a very strategic choice. It's also a very cost-effective choice, the value of uh, for somebody to actually get the same uh, 
protection from the Canada Pension Plan, if they actually were to go to the private market, they'd almost pay half as, uh, twice as much. So it's a, it's a really good deal for people who actually want more security in their retirement. You know, Andrew, this goes more and more into the fact of having two separate, two separate buckets, you know, making sure that your income bucket is secure and not subject to this kind of volatility when you're drawing on your savings and then having a growth bucket for longer term view so you can actually see the difference. But if, like, like Bonnie Jean was saying, if you put all your eggs in one volatile metric, let's say dividend paying stocks, um, and although you're getting that dividend payment, there's a lot of volatility, you know, that you have to absorb and, and, so I think Bonnie Jean makes some good points there. Well, I think, you know, when you, when you think about these things, Faisal, one of the key metrics is is, is separating that income bucket, but doing it at a um, a different method of saying, okay, these are the, the assets that I've got that are going to continually pay me for the rest of my life. I know it's going to happen. And then, of course, then what's left over is sort of to supplement my income, no different than sort of saying, hey, um, here's my income bucket, and this is what it looks like, and what's my income gap? What am I missing out on? Yep. And do I have the funds to sustain it at a decent rate? Yeah. Bonnie Jean, we have to leave it here. I want to leave one note with you. When we tell our clients to delay Canadian pension plan and old age security, the looks we get is amazing. Like, you know, like it's it's like I stole their their, their pet or their or their favorite, you know, uh, toy or something like that. And it's amazing. So I'm yeah. thank I'm thanking you for reconfirming what we've been analyzing and telling our clients. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to do it. Thank you very much. You've been, uh, we've been joined by uh, Bonnie Jean uh, McDonald. She is the Director of Research from fi- for Financial Security at the uh, Ryerson University, and she's also an actuary. And so, uh, Andrew, we've got a seminar coming up. We'll be talking about these risks. We'll be talking about how you get your income and still have that growth, and that will be on Tuesday, December 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Now, you need to reserve your seats, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. I believe we're almost full. Yeah, we're getting close. Yeah, we're getting close. So please register for that. And uh, you know what? Coming up after the break, this is going to be a very interesting piece. uh, We're going to have more conversation about, you know, you and I talking more about what's the risks out there. What are we what are we experiencing when it comes to this kind of volatility and the fear that people have with their income when markets are volatile? You're going to love to hear that conversation next. You're listening to 770 CHQR and more than money. Got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money, and the skies are sunny. Old man trouble, you Welcome are. Welcome back here. Joining us on 770 CHQR and more than money and Andrew Masson. You've done a great job this whole show. Thank you again for for pitch hitting for uh for Mr. Popowitz. Well, I'm trying really hard not to be silent bob this time, Basil. So, <laughs> we'll we'll see how that works. I'd like you to teach Dave how to be silent bob. <laughs> that will be fun. And we had a good show today. We had yeah. Angela Cocott on our show with some great information there. We had I really liked the uh, the last segment when we talked about the risk to your plan and this was kind of lead into what I want to chat with you about uh, before we before we end the show. Um the risk to your financial plan is this whole concept, in my view, is people set it and forget it. They build out a mathematical model. They they uh, write down on a piece of paper of what they need to do. Simply, yep. if I need $40,000 and I have a million bucks, I just need 4% and I've won. 
That, that's mm-hmm. the simple way of doing it. Of it course, is. there are some more sophisticated financial planning software out there that look at things. And I think what, what we heard uh, from Bonnie Jean just before the break was, was you need to think about different ways and you need to review. Well, not just that, but you also have to think of different things that happen within your life cycle, too. For example, if you're in your late 50s and you've been working a long period of time, what happens if you get downsized? Will you yeah. be able to find a different job? Yep. Will you be able to find something that's going to carry you forward? Because maybe you weren't ready to retire at that particular moment in time. Yep. Or if you move into your, your late 70s or, or mid to late 70s, and you come across a health event, whether that be you became sick or, you know, whether it be a heart attack, stroke or something else dementia related, um, you could find yourself in a long term care facility. What happens then? Have we accounted for that? And, yeah. you know, it's great that we're moving into retirement or people are moving into retirement. It's an exciting time. But we really have to look at all those bases, Faisal. If we don't, we're failing. Well said. Well said. And so. I want to bring up the conversation that we've had with um, some of our listeners. Um, they've been they've been concerned about this volatility. They've seen a drop, and I'll, I'll use some numbers so it kind of makes it more uh, so people can kind of follow along in, in the, my train of thought here. Um, we had a person call us up who has a million dollar portfolio and saw a eight percent drop in their in their portfolio. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, this individual was heavily uh, invested in, in stocks and saw an 8% drop, came to our seminar, yes, and then gave us a call, um, saw an 8% drop. So their million dollars is now 920000 Okay, Their concern is they want to they receive $50,000 a year from this. And so when they saw this $80,000 drop, they said to me, first thing, that's a year and a half worth of income, Faisal. And you're lucky they only said that, Faisal, because remember, when we started saving for that, that's a lot of money. That's 80000 How long did it take for you to save that amount? Yeah, and I think, I think in, in our industry, sometimes we forget about that because we just see mm-hmm. the number, Yes. right? And so when people are, are, are experiencing that drop, that fear okay, of the drop, the first question they have is, will I be okay for the rest of my life considering this drop? The second one they ask is, how long will this continue and should I change my strategy? Mm-hmm. And so you do a lot of the financial plans for our team. You're doing a lot of the number crunching yes. for our clients. Um, when that fear comes up, how would you handle it? Well, I look at our financial planning is very different. We always start with a financial plan that has some assumptions to it, inflation and rate of return. But we always make sure, Faisal, that those rates of return in particular are on the low end of the range because a financial plan in my mind and correct me if you think differently should be something that's conservative that's going to provide you what we think is a conservative rate of return it's going to drive a number that may not be what the client necessarily wants but it says can i do it based on these factors because in a longer term setting we're going to have major drops in the economy or in the market. Mm -hmm. And that market drop could be five, it could be 10, it could be 20. In 2008, it was 30 some odd percent. Correct. But if your goal is you have to generate 10%, well, we have a problem. That's not a a, a possible number that I think is achievable. Yeah, yeah. in this example, the individual had a million dollar portfolio wanting $50,000. And in their their simple mind, Mm -hmm. no disrespect to that individual, came out and said, I need 5%. That's right. What people forget is how much more risk you need to take on just to get 5%. 
and it's very different from where it was over a decade ago. Or two decades That's ago. That's right. The like, amount of risk you had to take just David, on bonds alone, yeah. if you go back 20 years, you could generate a 6 6.5% rate of return just being in there, and that's it. Yeah, you could be 100% bonds in 1995, and you could make a 6 to 7% rate of return. That's right. And now you need to be heavily exposed to the stock market to get that same return with triple the amount of volatility. Well, in, in total increased volatility. Yeah. And so I think people have to understand that if the risk-free rate, and let's pick on you know, high-interest savings accounts, government account of bonds, GICs, are offering in the two, two-and-a-half range in the short term, mm -hmm. then anything above that has to take on risk. If you need anything above that. So I think what I liked about what we talked about this week, Andrew, was we talked about stress-testing some people's portfolios. Yep. So you remember I, I sent you a, a, a I sent you some information about a client who who said, "Hey, you know what if this this thing is going to be not as good in the future as it was in the past because the next ten years are not going to look so good? What if we push our rate of return down to two percent, two percent, which is the risk free rate that we look at today? That's correct. And inflation's at two percent, so they're making nothing after inflation. What would be the impact? Well, and even we've done a couple at this point in time where we've been at a negative. So we've looked at that negative. A two. negative return? Yeah. Do negative return, see what happens. And people are sort of like, God forbid that, you know, you can't make a return, a positive return to market over a longer period of time. But just let's see. Let's stress test it with a negative. Yeah, and stress testing to me I think is important because it eliminates the worst case scenarios or the scenario that you have the most fear about. That's right. The stress testing that we do is just to give – um, comfort to the client and letting them know that even if things are not going according to plan or how we would like them to be, are you going to be okay? Because these individuals, once you're in retirement, have a very difficult time to say, you know what, I'm going to go back to the workforce and work again. Or, or say, I'm going to find some other ways to supplement my income that, because I was expecting 5 6 7%, and now I'm not getting and it. And I haven't seen anybody say, I'm going to go back to the workforce. Yeah. You know, and, and those that do well, do we, not want to step into a retail position. They've been, you know, or uh, any other thing that they were doing. Yeah. They were, they're used to what they were doing before. And, and we, that's not our, our approach. Our approach no. is to ensure your lifestyle never retires. And so why do that if you don't, if that's not part of your plan? But that's the fear. Mm -hmm. Do I have to go back to work? Do I have to cut my, my spending? And they look at that in form of spending. That individual said a year and a half worth of income. Um, that's scary. That's a yes. scary piece. And so how do you? protect that is where we come into play when it comes to the buckets and this is key this is the, what solves the problem if you decide to you know follow us completely on what we talk about and say or not if if you read our book and you and you just listen to that concept of asset dedication you're going to succeed in this over the long term and that's where i think people need to have their their get their head around that you're the game has changed in regards it, to how you invest the game has changed and you know if we go right to the the buckets being income or a growth phasal yep. really it comes down to if you have a growth bucket that means that you've got to put a time horizon against it Correct. and that's where people are really struggling because for the whole time i've ever invested prior to retirement the timeline's been Long. Yeah. Like I started at 20 and I'm now 65 or 52 or whatever that number is. Yeah. But that's been 30, 40 years. Yeah. Now you're investing long term for the growth bucket, which means you got to give it yourself at least 10 years. Yeah. Not 
two years. So you can up you, you can handle those ups and downs. And then, of course, on the flip side, the income bucket, making sure you have a paycheck coming to you regular basis yep. so you can handle those ups, ups and, and downs, downs. Yep. that are so frightful, in particular in a market where we're seeing so much turmoil, whether it be economic, socio-driven, uh, or political-driven. Yeah, and, and one other thing before we have to get going on this uh, on the show is um, we, we have the respect, more importantly, the empathy, to understand that people do no, no longer have a paycheck when they're re retired. That's the hardest thing. And it? so when you're when you see the volatility happening mm -hmm. when you are working, yeah, you can just go earn more money. And that, that gave you some sort of confidence or or gave you some sort of peace in your mind process. But now that you're hundred percent reliant on your savings to provide you your lifestyle, you don't have that additional income coming in. That's scary. And so uh -huh. we have that we have that understanding and that's why this whole concept of the four buckets have been built. So once again Go out and get our book. Best way to do it, just give us a, a go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com. Ask for a free copy of our book. We'll send one out to you so you have the idea of how this works. Andrew, once again, thank you for joining us on the show and replacing Dave. I think we should put you in full time and take Dave out. <laughs> Thanks again. And uh, we have our seminar on Tuesday, December 4th, 7 p.m. at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Give us a call, 966-8400, or register at morethanmoneyradio.com. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.